Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. So some people, I think on the 100 level, and you saw this in some of the videos that came out, were clapping politely, respectfully, and that is also their right. Mm -hmm. But where the real guttural news story came from was the 400 level. People lustily booing, and that kind of filtered down. They gave everybody else the license, if they wanted to boo, to go right ahead. Welcome to the Edge of Sports Podcast. I'm Dave Zirin. This week, we say not just welcome to the podcast, but welcome to Titletown, Washington, D.C., where we do this podcast, home of the 2018 Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals, home of the 2019 WNBA champion, Washington Mystics, and now home to your World Series champion, Washington Nationals. This week, we are talking, I'm so excited about this, to Dan Bloom who is a podcaster and a journalist, and he was in Nationals Park for the great booing of Donald Trump for Game 5. Dan is a lifetime Nationals fan, so I'm going to talk to him about what the championship means to the city and what it was like to be in that stadium as thousands of people chanted, lock him up, and broke Donald Trump's sclerotic, seed-like heart. Also, I've got some choice words about what happened to the website Deadspin, uh, which is something that we need to talk about, definitely. Uh, And I've got Just Stand Up and Just Sit Down Awards. But first, let's bring him on, Dan Bloom. Dan Bloom, great to have you here, decked out in your Nats gear. Thank you so much, Dave. It's a pleasure to be back. Oh my goodness, and I got to describe for the people out there in the pod listening audience, you're wearing the best Nats hat I've ever seen. Oh, it is thank you. black yeah. with gold lettering and just a <laughs> small red diamond with the, uh, the famous uh, white W in the middle, and I love it because it looks nothing 
like a red Trump hat whatsoever. It looks nothing like the original Nats hats, which always made me think of George W. Bush because uh, it was like a W right when he's in power. Yeah. And it looks totally like some sort of badass USFL hat from we've, back in the day, like you were with the Pittsburgh Maulers. We've etched a new identity for ourselves. It's amazing. Oh, totally. Politically. Backs against the wall. Never say die. Say mm. what we want. Do what we want. Step into our den. You're going to have to reckon with our rules. So I got to ask you, the Washington Nationals World Series champs, straight Woo. up, just what does it mean to Did you? it. Well, it means a few things. First of all, as a baseball fan, moving back to this area in 2005, as the team arrived, they have come of age as I have come of age. Ah. Ryan Zimmerman, the first draft pick that this franchise ever selected, hometown boy from Virginia Beach, went to UVA. He has played his entire career for this team. He now gets to put a capstone on his career that is a crown. Amazing. And the fact that he's still out there doing it, contributing to the team in incredibly meaningful and clutch ways and moments, means that we still got it. The old guys are still in the game. And when he does decide to hang it up, he'll be able to do so triumphantly. So that's number one, is mm. that this is about the recent history of D.C., especially people who are from this area. Now, that leads to the second point of emphasis. This is not just a story of the last 14 years. Washington, D.C. was without a baseball team for 35 years, I think around that number, 33, mm -hmm. 35. They had two shots at a franchise, so it was partially our fault. We could never make it work. First in war, first in peace, last in the American League East. That was We were the kicking post of the American League twice. We left to become the Minnesota Twins and the Texas Rangers. And that's not discussed enough. Like To be such a failure as a franchise that you actually become two separate. And two successful. Two successful separate expansion yes. teams. So they should thank us for being a terrible <laughs> sports town for many, many years. So we were without a team, and then suddenly the protagonist, antagonist of this story, becomes Peter Angelos, the mm. owner of the Baltimore Orioles, who claimed absurdly that Washington was a natural part of the Baltimore media market. The mm. tail wagging the dog there in a significant way. Mm. And he was able to play that off for a long time in the cabal of major league ownership. Mm -hmm. Eventually, when the Montreal Expos became such an open sore that the league had to absorb them and own them, it suddenly became economically worth it to shove it, the team in Washington despite Angelos's protests. It was worth so much money to sell the team to the Lerner family and move this to the natural biggest market without a team. Now, I have to at least tip a hat, though, to the baseball fans of Montreal who really got used and totally. abused. The team was stripped down to its very last compound, precisely so that the city would not support the and team. And they had a they great, great young nucleus, including yes. Pedro Martinez, Larry Walker. They had, like... Randy a, Johnson. They had, yeah, they had an unbelievable run there. Yeah. And they, those fans were robbed. You're yes. absolutely right. Just now, putting that out there, because I have a another... fan base among Les Expos. Oh, c'est magnifique. And let's hope <laughs> that they get a franchise to move there at some point, mm -hmm. because they suddenly don't look like the least viable market, not naming any names. Right. Okay, so that's the... Not naming names. Right. Let's not. Let's not antagonize the, the franchises who wish that they were sitting in my place yes. under a championship hat. But the reason, one reason it was so significant for me and for others of my generation is that our elders were robbed of the experience of getting to follow their hometown team, getting to go down to games in a local, easy manner, not having to drive 45 minutes to Baltimore. So... When I went to Game 5 of the World Series, it was an incredible experience for many reasons, one of which I felt like I was there for my grandfather, who didn't mm. live long enough to see the Nationals come back to town. Some of his peers did, and some of these old-timers who I deeply love, I'll shout one out, Dr. Benny Wilimowski, mm. he 
was a huge Nats fan and just died last year. Was lucky enough to come to my wedding. I'm so glad wow. he made it there. But he didn't get to see this happen. So I was there for him. When you realize the enormity of kind of the linkage, the generational nature of baseball, the reason mm -hmm. that it matters, it starts to take on a grander significance. Absolutely. Like no other sport. Indeed. Sincerely. I mean, it's minutia is maddening in a way. And it's mm -hmm. great for obsessives because all these little things, it's a game of inches, they, they matter and they don't matter. Mm -hmm. But what matters is the generational linkage of people who taught you the game. Where Amazing. did it come into your life? How and why? If you ask any person in the World Series game, they all will have a story involving a loved one, a family member, a teacher. You know, that's what this game is really about. Absolutely. So my line from this World Series, and there are so many great notable quotables. Uh, I loved it, Steven Strasburg's line. Steven Strasburg, of course, your uh, World Series MVP. Uh, when he was asked Woo! about past Nats playoff heartbreak, he said, it seemed like every year we ran into a buzzsaw well, this year, we were the buzzsaw. We were the buzzsaw. And he's the perfect person to be talking about here because oh, yeah. his maturation is the exemplar of what we can all hope to achieve in our <laughs> lives. He took his own deficiencies and stared them in the face and through a process of hard work and dedication yeah. and, and deciding he's going to be with this franchise, signing long-term, he unlocked opportunity for himself. Oh, he, yeah. he stood in his moment and he excelled. And he's now the answer to a terrific trivia question. The only number one draft pick in history to ever become the World Series MVP for the team that drafted you. It's never happened before. Hats off. It's amazing. He's a legend. He and wrote then, his own story. And then you have to think about why that's never happened. Because if you wanted to ask about the number of number one draft picks in the NBA who've been uh, finals MVPs, I mean, the list is as long as your arm. Mm -hmm. you know, you've got, you know, from your Tim Duncans to uh, your Akeem Olajuwon's to your Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. I mean, in Magic Johnson's, your number one draft picks tend to be the best player. Baseball, the, the list of number one busts is longer than number one successes. Yeah. So not only to be a success as a number one draft pick is amazing, not only to do it as a pitcher who needed Tommy John surgery is amazing, mm. but also to then actually achieve this pinnacle. Yeah. And it's an unbelievable story. And, and after, I'm sure you saw this interview where people asked him, you know, what was different about this year? And he said, well, these guys were amazing in the clubhouse and they got mm. me doing two things I was uncomfortable doing, dancing mm -hmm. and hugging. And I'm, and I'm getting a little bit better at both. Aww. How can you not love this team? They have everything, including an accidental trip into political activism, as I'm sure we'll talk about next. Oh, oh well, not directly next. Okay, all I, right. I'm sorry. There's You're holding just still, on me. Okay. still I want to excavate here because one of the big questions is also, I mean, this is a team that uh, lost the face of the franchise, Bryce Harper. Now, The <laughs> face of the franchise is Ryan Zimmerman. Thank you very much. But <laughs> I, take, I take your point. Fair enough. And a lot of people, though, um, have asked the question, like, is this what is referred to on the internet as the Ewing, Ewing theory? theory? Yeah, I heard uh, Bill Simmons talking about this yesterday. Oh, sure. Like, the idea of you, you, you lose the player who everybody sees as the center of the franchise, and the franchise actually takes a step forward. Mm -hmm. Um, and the team has been very, very classy and resistant to saying anything about losing Bryce, help the clubhouse. I, I wanted to ask your take on it. It's a very convenient narrative. I mean, is a portion of it true? Sure, possibly. I thought it was amazing when Bryce Harper signed with Philadelphia in his opening press conference. He said, well, what we really want to do here is bring a title back to D.C. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was amazing. Can you imagine a better Freudian slip in that moment? And then they did. Mm -hmm. They did. It. And he... I don't even fault him for that because he genuinely did want D.C. to win a title. That has been the goal for him yeah. and for all these guys over the years. Now, he made a decision for his own personal sure. you know, life 
And the team wanted to keep him. I'm sure if they could have arranged the number, they would have kept him. He's mm -hmm. a very valuable asset. But I think what gets lost in this discussion is what Mike Rizzo did in that moment. That was a potentially career-defining moment for him. Sure. And he took what looked like a loss. The franchise, A lot of people were criticizing him for letting Bryce Harper walk to a division rival at that mm -hmm. for a price that people thought was meetable. Mm -hmm. But look what he did. He brought in Gerardo Parra. He brought mm -hmm. in Brian Dozier. By the way, these were the two key guys for chemistry the entire mm -hmm. year. And he brought in a guy named Patrick Corbin. Now, mm -hmm. signing Patrick Corbin does not make the same kind of headlines as losing Bryce Harper. Mm -hmm. But you can't say it's less important now as we pitched three perfect innings in the World Series, Game 7. Like, that's a masterstroke by Mike Rizzo. And that's what, the, you know, the meta game is about for a guy like him. Let's move these assets around. Let's create the right chemistry. Maybe there was a bit of addition by subtraction, but I'm not here to dance on mm -hmm. the, the grave of Bryce Harper as a national. I mean, I, he did some great things, played some great years for us. He's part of the story of victory, as far as I'm concerned. He deserves our thanks, not for us to... You know, we'll bring him to the parade shame, or anything. Shame him. No, let's not, <laughs> let's not bring him to the parade, but let's not be mad if he shows up in disguise like Bobby Valentine. Let's oh, not kick him out and if, he, if we notice him. mustache and glasses. I mean, you know, it's, and, it's okay. And, you know, you mentioned para, too. It's like the butterfly effect of baseball. There's no other sport that I think has that butterfly effect uh, <laughs> that's, that surrounds and, um, and, and infuses the game. Without para, you don't get baby shark. Correct. Because uh, para is for para's daughter. Yeah. And so that is an amazing thing, too. So so you keep Harper, you don't get Parra, you don't get Baby Shark. It's just so much about this year that's different. I mean, they're dancing, literally dancing in the dugout when they hit home runs. Mm. And they're not doing it in a way... Actually, I talked to my good friend who works for the league, and he said, you know, the Nationals have fun, but they're not doing it in a way that rubs it in the faces of their opponent. Mm -hmm. They do it in their house. Mm -hmm. And they, they exude this joy that has made them in this season the obvious antagonist, uh, sorry, protagonist of mm -hmm. the story. Now, for other reasons, Houston Astros showed up as big villains here, mm -hmm. big antagonists yes. in the story. So it doesn't always work out the way it, quote, should in terms of the, you know, fictional baseball gods. But if they exist and one team was supposed to win this series, it was obviously Washington. That's certainly true from a political perspective because the Astros, and we talked about this last week on the show, they show up to the World Series as sort of this exemplar of mm. some of the most toxic parts of sports masculinity. Not just sports masculinity, our, econo our economic system in general. It's run by tech bros. Yeah. It's the it's exact same non-respect for the humanities, focus on data, fo focus on analytics above all else. Mm -hmm. Let's bring the guy in who has great numbers despite what he's been doing to his romantic partners in yes. terms of violence. Mm -hmm. Like, And let's pretend, have this double standard. Let's pretend that we're going to give all this money as an organization and pay, say the right things. And then the moment we're celebrating, the mask comes off. Yep. Sorry, and, guys. And all the toxic bro masculinity flows out. And Brandon Taubman is now without work, but only he without should go work. To, he should go work at WeWork. Yeah. <laughs> it's Taubman, it's Newman. I mean, these guys are of a, of a kind. Absolutely. And, and the only reason Taubman, we talked about this last week, is without a job, is not even because of him celebrating uh, the domestic violence impresario Roberto Asuna uh, to his to two women reporters, one of whom was wearing a domestic violence awareness pin, uh, and cursing in their face about, yeah, we fucking got Asuna. It wasn't only that. It was the horrible way that the Astros responded to it after the fact. Attempting to discredit the Yeah, journalist. the reporters, the, the female journalists who reported on it. I mean, and that just shows the whole culture of the club. So they were definitely uh, in the bad guy's corner of this particular boxing match. <laughs> now, 
the Nationals claimed that good guy mantle from a political perspective at a remarkable game five, which you attended. Luckily so, yes. You were in the stadium for game lock him up. I was, and I was there with my father, and I was there with my partner, and that adds to the whole grandeur of this moment that I will, of course, remember forever and will be written about and talked about in history books. Amazing. And and it, it already is getting written to that first draft of history. Uh, articles in, all across uh, the media, amazingly so. And for the record, I'll state that I did lustily boo the president. Yes. So <laughs> Donald Trump, for those who've been living inside uh, Dick Cheney's bunker, to <laughs> use a 15-year-old joke, uh, D- Donald Trump shows up to Game 5. He's uh, expects to be feted beautifully uh, at the game. Earlier that morning, he announces the killing of an al-Qaeda leader. Oh, gleeful. Oh yeah, in a way that was uh, violent and disgusting. I thought so too, and 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 also untrue. Like he lied repeatedly about the manner in which this person died yeah. to make it as uh, repulsive as possible. And then he shows up to the game, I think, expecting to do a bit of a victory lap. Hey, I come out with this great news, and he's greeted instead. Take it away, Dan. Well, he was shown, I thought, interestingly during a portion of the in-game entertainment where they were honoring. Troops, and they do this at Nationals games specifically all the time. I mean, there's a a long-standing tradition and a linkage with the local branches of our Walter Reed Navy Medical Center. They bring wounded vets in all the time, which I think Mm -hmm. is actually quite a good tradition. I mean, you and I are both critics. You have taught me the ways of being a critic of sports and politics in the way it's usually shoved down our throats. So I'm very critical of this usually, but I'm content to you know clap for a wounded vet who's there now. For Trump and his people to insert himself into that moment, that's the softest possible landing place that they thought they they could get. Now, two things happened. First of all, everyone instinctively began to boo. And I shouldn't say everyone, because this was led by the 400 level. Mm, Let's not get it twisted here. Because people on the 100 level, there's been all these stories about the political and media intelligentsia you know, having this moment as a, a kumbaya place where we can all put our differences aside and watch baseball. And I'm fine for that. But now we've got this person who has shown up, who has made his bones as a divisive political figure, expecting the kind of bow-down adulation that an actually popular president would receive. So some people, I think on the 100 level, and you saw this in some of the videos that came out, were pol- clapping politely, respectfully, and that is also their right. Mm-hmm. But where the real guttural news story came from was the 400 level. People lustily booing, and that kind of filtered down. They gave everybody else the license, if they wanted to boo, to go right ahead. And then I heard later a chant that was hard to discern in the actual stadium where I was, which was, lock him up. Yeah. Now that, I thought, was foolishly analyzed in media mm-hmm. as a serious you know, affront to yes. the dignity of the office of the president. Joe Scarborough infamously has already said, as, you know, let's, this, let's, how dare you fans Can we this? not engage in the amnesia that forgets that this is a phrase that's been chanted at his own rallies yeah. against innocent political rivals, which, by the way, is exactly what he's accused of doing now, is tampering with innocent political <laughs> rivals? Like... This is his own language being thrust back in his face in a, in a way that he and his supporters would feel very familiar with. Mm-hmm. This is the kind of pugilistic politics that this person, and specifically this person, has brought into the political sphere. We didn't want this to happen at our World Series Game 5 experience. Mm. This was thrust upon us. As I said, I was there with my father and my partner. 
Do you think we wanted to have this experience tainted by, you know, an, an inadvertent political rally? I'm fine with political rallies when their time and place is there. But this was thrust upon us. So to criticize the people who would respond to this obvious burr in our side is absolutely ludicrous. Now, I want to make one more point because I mm. thought more about this. I think part of what you said could be right, and it's hard to know without being on the inside. Did Trump show up at the game expecting to be clapped for? Or, member of the WWE Hall of Fame, knower of heels and faces, understander of energy inside of arenas and how this will play in the national media? Do you think perhaps it was a purposeful play? Where oh. he, he walked in, knew he was going to get booed, played the part of the heel, and then spun it forward for the toadies in the media? Yeah, to that, I would say no. You don't and think you don't give him the four-dimensional chess? Uh, I don't. Part, okay. For a couple of reasons. One, I don't think he's as bright as people think. I think he's a very thuggish, mm. blunt thinker. But he and is a he, troll. And he is a troll. No, he and, he and he and he has a certain lizard-brained ability to understand his trollishness. Uh, but I gotta say, there there's this moment when the booing starts, and he realizes that that the booing is happening. And you look at his face, and it's like that. A lot of people made this point on uh, Twitter, so I'm not making, I'm not uh, coining this. But it's like that famous moment from The Simpsons where you Bart says, "You can pinpoint the exact moment where his heart moment where rips in two. Yes, <laughs> where Ralph Wiggum exactly. gets told by Lisa Simpson, uh, "No, I'm not your girlfriend," like on live television, and I don't want anything to do with you. And then Bart says, "Look, Lisa, you can pinpoint the exact moment where his heart rips in two, and you see Ralph sort of go." You can do that yeah. with this video. You're and right. there's no hiding the emotion of the fact that... He, like he, I'll tell you this. If he was doing this for heel purposes, he would have smiled his way through it. Instead of looking for a moment like like disoriented and then shocked. Melania did not look happy. No. And the only person, actually, if you... I, I did like some serious Zapruder. Good. Uh, looking at the videotape slowly. Maybe I shouldn't use that similarity, given what we're talking about. <laughs> but, but like looking very closely at the... <laughs> A little awkward. Sorry, Joan. No, that's that's slang for breaking down something frame by frame. Absolutely, that's all I'm saying. And looking at this, you frame did, you by did frame. a Rembert Brown esque analysis of the photo. Yes, yes. Let's say that a Rembert Brown esque analysis of the photo. And looking at it in minute detail, Matt Gates, who is a congressman who has the brain of a ham, <laughs> he is the only person who smiles through the booing. John You've Lovett. Got, John Lovett referred to him as if a fraternity paddle came to oh. life. <laughs> Nice, nice. John Lovett. That's, that's really good. Isn't it? A sentient uh, fraternity paddle. So, so looking at this in the minutest detail, Gates is the only one who holds his smile because he's drunk. Oh, Everybody whoa. <laughs> oh, no. Problematic light. I don't know. You, you Google Matt Gates mugshot, you'll see uh, evidence that I'm not pulling that out of thin air. Gotcha. So it, 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 that's why I think it wasn't a, a heel move. Okay. I grant you that. In any case, I felt it was a moment thrust upon us that we did not ask for, that we responded to brilliantly. And there were also some planned protests in the House. Two banners were unfur unfurled that said impeach Trump. And people yes. put signs up behind home plate that said veterans for impeachment. So there was a lot of political activism. It should surprise no one. This region is incredibly connected to what is going on in the news. It's full of public servants who have dedicated their entire lives and their entire careers to serving us all. And these are the exact people that Trump is coming in and denigrating. So, you know, some great analysis came out that said 
if you break down all the surrounding counties and D.C. in total, 17% of people voted for Trump in the election. So mm. don't be surprised if, <laughs> if this is the, the populace who is out there responding to you inserting yourself into their big moment. Yeah, absolutely. You think we bought tickets to a Trump rally? No. 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 And when we when I heard the news that he was announced as coming of game five, I said, Oh, we deserve to lose. And yeah. Oh, we're gonna lose. We deserve and we did. Well here's my three dimensional chess question for you, because you looked at it from Trump's perspective. What about from the nationals' perspective? They did were they, boxed in. They had no choice. Really though. Yeah. I think they might have set him up for the booing. No, no, you bring they out saved Jose him. Andres. You know what? I'll tell you what. They saved him. Okay, that was a good point. Come that on. was a good counter troll by yeah. the Nationals. And that his, was, his he, credentials you know, for throwing out the ball, unassailable. Unassailable, but he's also Jose Andres. And he has been a vocal critic of 45. And Absolutely. So it, it was a great move of them. But let's just imagine a world in which Trump maybe gets his way and gets to throw out the first pitch. That would have been even bigger spectacle. Yeah, so he never would have done it. Good for whoever decided or figured out that that was not to happen deserves thanks. I don't mm. know who it is, but there were obviously some behind the scenes thing. I mean, whether his camp decided not to do it or the league or the team, like let's at least keep him off the field. Yeah, <laughs> because if he wants to come to the game, the management has no choice but to roll out the carpet for him. They're in D.C. Any stadium in America would have to do that, but specifically in D.C., you can't mm. kick the hornet's nest. You've mm. got to just grin and bear it. You've got to get through it. It's good that he didn't interact with the team. It's yes. good that he didn't get on the field. They minimized it as much as they could, and they let the fans do the speaking for them. Yeah, and now, as we'll talk about later in the show, he's invited the team to the White House. Surely a ton of the team will show up, but you have in Sean Doolittle. Boom! The perfect man for his place in time. Unbelievable. The the relief pitching star of this Washington Nationals team. In the Washington Post, he gives a long and detailed reason for why he will not be going to the White House. Reasons. Reasons. Plural. Plural. Um, he speaks about racism. He speaks about doing work with the people that Donald Trump calls shithole countries. And he also talked about having a brother who's autistic. He spoke about his wife's two mothers. His wife's two mothers, LGBTQ issues. He So he hit, hit, on, uh, hit on racism. He talked about the Central Park Five, for goodness sakes. Dave, could the Nationals have a better closer in so many senses than Sean mm. Doolittle? Well, I feel like this is the ultimate close. To put the right cap here. on the season? Absolutely. This is what I'm saying. Like... Close it up for us, Sean. Amazing. Speak in this way as no one else on the team has the ability or the mm-hmm. willingness to do. Come on, mm-hmm. Sean. Come on in. Bring in bring in the, the redhead. Bring in the guy with the glasses with the Obi-Wan exactly. Kenobi. Bring in this guy in. Like, let him speak truth to power right now. His amazing partner, Iron Dolan, uh, or Aaron Dolan, got to pronounce that right. It's got the Irish spelling. But Aaron Dolan and Sean Doolittle, they've been guests on this podcast uh, they spoke about fighting for union rights for people who make baseball caps. That's why I had them on the pod. And now they're uh, both, like I think, now international figures. They're DSA members. They're, That's awesome. They're, they're open in public about that. And they're also open in public that they're not going to go to the White House. Even though I felt in Doolittle's statement, and I'm actually super sympathetic to this, it would have been, on normal circumstances, in normal times, an incredibly cool experience to go to the White House with your teammates. Celebrate with your team. That's what yeah, he wants to do. Absolutely. He's willing to make that sacrifice for the truth. Mm-hmm. Yay. What, a, what amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Sean. Thank Doolittle. you to all the Nationals for giving us this experience. You did it in such the right way. Amazing shit. Juan Soto, Howie Kendrick, Adam Eaton, Trey Turner. These people played through injuries. They played through all this adversity. They were 19 and 31. Davey Martinez had a heart attack this season. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, these, this is life and death, and mm-hmm. these guys wrote their legendary story together. You know how many people on this team had a World Series ring before? How many? Zero. Wow. Zero, Dave. It's Even their it? first ring. Davey got a ring with Chicago as mm. a coach. But, I mean... But Howie Kendrick, who's been playing since the dead ball era, not even he has a ring. It's a beautiful story. It is an amazing story. And just to spin it forward really quick, uh, what do the Nationals have to do to repeat next year? they got to re-sign Rendon. Rendon has to be paid all the money. But look, I I spoke to some people about this last night. The Nationals don't owe us anything right now. Mm. I I would love to repeat. That's a great thought. The pitching rotation is second to none. And we've just shown that with timely hitting and pitching, you can beat anybody. So if we keep the rotation together, who knows what we can do. Nobody on this team, the learners, Mike Rizzo, nobody owes us a thing. They just just gave us the greatest, most legendary postseason in Major League Baseball history. I'll savor it forever. Thank you. You owe me nothing. Wow. And Dan, you sitting here, and just like with Sean Doolittle putting the capstone on the season, I'd like to put the capstone on this interview and read to you a very brief poem that was written by Ethelbert Miller. Uh, <laughs> e. Ethelbert Miller. E. Ethelbert Miller, Poet Laureate of D.C. This is what he wrote immediately after the final out of the World Series in a moment of euphoria, and he emailed it to me, and I, I just I want to read this to you so you can hear it. I remove my hat. All right. So where are we now? Who are we? How important is a game? This morning we reclaim the color red. The 2019 World Series might one day be viewed as the beginning of impeachment hearings. Let's go. The World Series victory shows how victory is won with an international cast of players. Si, senor. Jewish owners, Latino players, and Howie hitting that go, go, go ahead homer. Boy, good Strasburg hugged by people who speak another language and knowing that a love for the game of baseball extends to a love for one's fellow human beings. Mm. Baseball is America a country that must forever stay in the fight for freedom and democracy. We are all baby sharks swimming into the future, our teeth as sharp as our happiness. And after the seventh game, we rise. Ooh! (laughs) Greatest poem ever. Boom! Yahtzee! Thank you, Dave. Cowabunga. Dan, thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. The Edge of Sports Podcast, ladies and gents. We'll be back right after this word from The Nation magazine. We'll be back right after this, but first, a quick word from the sponsor of this podcast, The Nation Magazine. Okay, look, the need for independent journalism has never been more important, and The Nation brings it each and every week like they've been doing since 1865. I'm serious. This is what you gotta read. It's The Nation Magazine. Go to thenation.com slash subscribe, and please never forget that when you support The Nation Magazine, you are also supporting the continued existence of this podcast. So please subscribe. Go to www.thenation.com slash subscribe. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. We are back. Now I've got some choice words about Deadspin. Okay, look, Deadspin has for years been a home for journalists who took no prisoners in the world of sports and beyond. Yet now its new corporate overlords at Geo Media are dismantling this razor-edged fulcrum of athletic descent like a buzzard chewing the gristle off the last bone. In a memo obtained by the Daily Beast, one of Deadspin's bosses, a blank cipher named Paul Maidment ordered the crack staff to stop straying into politics, food, or the other assorted ephemera, and stick to sports. 
Where such subjects touch on sports, they are fair game for deadspin. Where they do not, they are not, the instantly infamous memo stated. This means that the most popular writing on the site, about Trump, about media corporate malfeasance, about things that can get stuck in your rectum, are no, yes, I said that right, about things that can get stuck in your rectum, are no longer part of Deadspin. Without that content, Deadspin really isn't Deadspin. As if to hammer home this corporate edict, the new owners fired acting editor Barry Pacheski, who had been with the site from its beginnings in the early aughts. Pacheski announced this himself, tweeting simply, Hi, I've been fired from Deadspin for not sticking to sports. The site's union, the Writers Guild of America East, tweeted in response, This will not stand. Immediately, the scummiest people in the sports world celebrated. No need to call them out by name or uh, reference their flotsam. May they just fester in their own putrescence. But their joyous dance of the damned was just more proof of how much Deadspin is needed on the sports landscape. True to form amid this storm of ugliness, the writers at Deadspin took to social media and proudly proclaimed their resistance. Editors covered the website's homepage with articles that had nothing to do with sports. Later in the day, all sports articles were installed in their place. The following night, in an act of collective resistance, the bulk of the journalists on staff resigned. I reached out to Will Leach, the founding editor of Deadspin, the day before the mass resignations, and this is what he wrote to me. I will say that craven dopes like these people buy media companies all the time, and they slowly suck the life and vigor out of them until they are shades of their former selves. Usually, people who work there have no choice but to stomach it and make tiny but real compromises because they have families or mortgages or medical bills or real-life stresses. It is to the ultimate credit of everyone at Deadspin that they did not roll over to ridiculous and incompetent non-plans and brainless edicts out of self-preservation. They are fighting and punching and digging their heels in because they are at a place that they and I and tens of millions of readers every month truly value and care for. I don't know if they're going to win, but we should all be inspired and proud of how much kicking and clawing in the face of this they are doing. It makes me honored that I even get to have my name indirectly associated with them. End quote. I would certainly argue that resigning collectively is part of the process of resistance that Leach is describing. This move by the corporate hacks destroying Deadspin should not be seen as distinct from the broader attempt throughout sports media to disentangle sports and politics, or to put it more clearly, the attempt to distangle sports and a certain kind of politics, the politics of resistance. As George Atala of the NFL Players Association tweeted, Taking a stick to sports position dehumanizes athletes and turns a blind eye to the issues they care about, which happens to be shared by most people. Equality, community, health and safety, fairness, transparency, rights, accountability, and much more. This ruthless attack on Deadspin should also not be seen as separate from what has happened to the Leviathan sports entity that Deadspin was launched to mock and watchdog, ESPN. Its new corporate chief, Jimmy Pitaro, said last year, Without question, our data tells us our fans do not want us to cover politics. My job is to provide clarity. I really believe that some of our talent was confused of what was expected of them. If you fast forward to today, I don't believe they are confused. End quote. Part of unconfusing the talent was elevating right-wing voices, centering braying apolitical voices, and showing the door to people like Jamel Hill, Michael Smith, and ESPN legend and longtime host of Outside the Lines, Bob Lee. 
And it's no coincidence that just last week it was announced that Outside the Lines would, after 29 years, no longer be on daily, but be relegated to the graveyard of weekend programming. It's clear that three years after Colin Kaepernick took that knee and polarized the sports world, the backlash is in full swing. The example set by Deadspin's staff and their union could not be more important at a time like this. There is an effort to silence voices that aim to view sports through a political lens, that aren't willing to cede this space to the forces of reaction who want to turn the games that we love into foghorns of corporatized patriotism. They are raging against this imperative and we should join them. Passivity is not a response, not when we can still fight back. We'll be back right after this with a quick word from Edge of Sports. Hey, everybody out there. This is Dave Zirin with the Edge of Sports podcast. People got to know that we put this podcast on with elbow grease and, and bubble gum on a weekly basis. And we're proud of the work that we do. We love it. But we can't do it without support from you, the listener. So please go to patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod and support the podcast. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. Any little bit you might give to support the podcast actually makes a huge difference to the work we're trying to do. That's patreon.com slash edgeofsportspod. We appreciate you. Make no mistake about it. And now, back to the Edge of Sports podcast. And now it's time for the part of the show I call Just Stand Up or Just Sit Your Ass Down. The Just Stand Up Award this week goes to Sean Doolittle, as described earlier, amazing, saying he wasn't going to the White House, but not only saying he's not going to the White House, but also giving some very strong opinions why. He's not going to the White House. He gave an extensive interview uh, with the Washington uh, Post. And here are some of the things that he said about why he wasn't going to the White House. There's a lot of things, policies that I disagree with, but at the end of the day, it has more to do with the divisive rhetoric and enabling of conspiracy theories and widening the divide in this country. My wife and I stand for inclusion and acceptance, and we've done work with refugees, people that come from, you know, the shithole countries. That's, of course, Trump's phrase. At the end of the day, as much as I wanted to be there with my teammates and share that experience with my teammates, I just can't do that. Doolittle also said, I feel very strongly about his issues on race relations, and he listed the Fair Housing Act, the Central Park Five, and Trump's comments following a white supremacist rally in 2017. He also mentioned that his wife, Erin Dolan, has two mothers who are very involved in the LGBTQ community. I want to show support for them. I think that's an important part of allyship, and I don't want to turn my back on them, Doolittle said. I have a brother-in-law who has autism, and Trump is a guy that mocked a disabled reporter. How would I explain that to him, that I hung out with somebody who mocked the way he talked or, or, or the way he moves his hands? I can't get past that stuff. Thank you so much, Sean Doolittle. Absolutely amazing. Something like this needs to be amplified just loudly and proudly. It's the perfect cap on the Washington Nationals World Series victory, your act of resistance. The Just Sit Your Ass Down Award, Sit Your Ass Down. Sit your ass down is Jerry Jones of the Dallas Cowboys, who uh, now has a new player by the name of Michael Bennett, obviously a favorite of the show. Michael Bennett, defensive lineman, uh, who famously does not come out or sits during the national anthem. Uh, Michael Bennett, somebody who I wrote a book with. Jerry Jones said that Michael Bennett would be standing for the national anthem in Dallas. You better believe it. And he better know what's up and what's good for him if he's going to... All this stuff from giggity giggity. 
J- Jerry Jones. Uh, now, the, the bigger issue, though, is, of course, what is Michael going to do in response to that? And I don't have an answer for that. Um, but, I, but I do know this. I do know that whatever Michael decides, I'm standing with him no matter what. And I also know that players should not be threatened uh, when it comes to the national anthem. Well, that's all the time we have for this week's show. Thank you so much to Dangerous Dan Bloom for being on with us. Thank you for Jeremiah Tittle, who is here in our makeshift studios, helping us make this happen just by giving off his badass presence. Thank you so much, everybody out there listening. If you like the Edge of Sports podcast, please, please, please uh, write a review, give a rating, do something of that nature. For everybody out there listening, please stay frosty. We are out of here. So excited about next week's show. We got author Andrew Marinus on. You're not going to want to miss that. But please, please stay frosty. Remember that. We are out of here. Peace.
If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.